Hi, this is author Kate Perkins. I'm the host of Still Here, Adventures in Aging. Today we're going to talk about some things that are going to be a combination of personal experiences, experiences here on in the neighborhood, some intellectual kind of stuff. So it's um, an interesting ride today. Sorry about the length of time between the podcast. I am um, a senior myself. And let me give you, first thing I want to tell you, let me give you a little bit of advice. If you decide that you're going to do something like this when you get older, make sure you're going to have the health to be able to continually do it. I've been in and out of doctor's offices and everywhere else with um, health issues. So that's no excuse. I I could have recorded from my bed on my phone, but um, (laughs) no. So anyway, I also want to thank everybody that has donated on Patreon, uh, donated on Buy Me a Coffee, PayPal. I'd like to thank everybody that has shopped on our eBay and Bonanza sites. I'd also like to thank everybody who has kept up with me on social media sites and who's kept up with Still Here Adventures in Aging on social media sites. I want you to know that for the donations that I believe it's 90 I believe it's 90% of the proceeds go to our projects in helping seniors. But let us begin. First thing I want to talk to you about is the statue that no one remembers. And the reason that I want to talk about that first is because it's actually what acted as a catalyst to this particular podcast. I actually was going to record something else. And I've got a couple other recordings of things that I just haven't been able to sit down and edit. But it all seemed to come together in a different kind of way. So sometimes when you know things are probably what you need to talk about, then this is this is what happens. You need to talk about it. So anyway, the statue that no one remembers. Um, usually around this time of year, I start doing crafts and planning for Christmas. Every year at the end of the year, um, there's a group of us that work with Hopefields Christian Ministry. And we get together and, and do things for an organization or a family or a group of people or uh, just whoever happens to come up and the the way they come up is because of the the number of people in the group every year one person gets to pick who is going to be the focus of our attention that year so not everybody is equally financially solvent there are some people who aren't working some people who are on fixed income some people who have bunches of money some people who live in big fabulous houses i mean there's there's it's just a different variety of a group of people that actually all came together over the years and how they all came together is a really 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 long time ago as i was going through the years there would be times because i did everything anonymously so as i was going through the years i would have to let somebody else know what was going on because they had to deliver it or or it was somebody that was related to somebody or i mean you know so it was like don't tell them but here you know do all this stuff for them so it i kind of picked up people over the years and we formed a group and every year we do this i had decided because i have done a lot of work like i was saying all of us have different talents and things so i write obviously i wouldn't be calling myself author kate perkins and i can create i create i create crafts things like that so i would do that um and then then when i was working i would just you know give money to whatever but since i've moved into the senior community i'm on a fixed income and None of what I do here actually pays anything on the income or anything like that. It's income to me. I pay on my own way through my fixed income. 
we if we know we're going to make something this year or we're going to do something this year that might cause or cost a little bit extra, so we usually start early in trying to do fundraisers. So I had decided to um, list some things. I had a bunch of stuff around here, and I decided to list some list some things on uh, eBay and Bonanza to sell those. And one of the things I had was a wooden, a hand carved wooden statue of um, an African man sitting on a tree stump, and it was made. It's all one continuous piece, and it's made. It was made in Africa, and. So I decided since I did not know its value or its origin, I know its origin, but I didn't know who gave it to me. I know that sounds weird and we'll get to that in a second. I contacted my daughter and I said, um, hey, I got this statue. <laughs> Mind you, I've had this statue for 25 years. There's nothing wrong with the statue. I just decided that I'm going to need some extra money. So I might as well put this up there too. So I contacted her and I said, hey, you remember that statue that I have here, the, the carving, the wooden carving? Do you remember that guy that came and gave me the statue and said that his uncle wanted me to have it, the guy from Africa? She had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> so then I had to remember that. I said, okay, 25 years ago, this guy came to my door. You weren't, you being my daughter, weren't with him. He had the statue in his hand and he said, my uncle... No, he said, I'm a friend of yours. And he said your name. My uncle made this in, and he said wherever it was in Africa, which I don't remember. Uh, he said he made it for you and he wants you to have it. Now, I had never seen this kid before and I'd never seen him with my daughter. Never seen him since either. So I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, well, maybe, you know, he's just really trying to sell it or something. So I offered him, I said, you know, do you want some money for it? I said, because it's really, you can tell that some work went into it. And uh, he says, no, 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 no. He he made this and he sent this and he sent this for you specifically to have it. So I'm like, OK, I don't know your uncle. I, I don't even know you. But um, he was just insistent on giving it to me. So I, I took it and he left. He didn't want to come in or anything and he didn't want any money. And he left and I never seen this kid again. I couldn't pick this kid out if somebody paid me a million dollars to identify him. I would not be able to identify this person. So I had the statue and I, even though I don't remember doing it, it seems logical that I would have told my daughter that, hey, this kid came by and he said he knew you and all that kind of stuff. She doesn't remember anything. She doesn't remember any of it. Swears that she doesn't, didn't at that time have any African friends. She didn't have any African boyfriends or anything else. And she didn't, she said she remembers the statue vaguely, even when I sent her pictures of it. And she said, yeah, I, I remember vaguely seeing it around the house and things but never never had any idea where it came from or anything like that so i'm like okay well first i don't know why i waited 25 years but now i'm now i'm curious after 25 years and i mean it i've used this thing as a paperweight i've laid it up against the window to hold the curtains closed uh <laughs> you know i've had it on shelf for a while sat on my desk for a little while I, and I'm talking 25 years, you know, moved it from place to place. So anyway, she um, she says, OK, she doesn't know anything about it. So then I start thinking, of course, being the writer, my imagination goes wild. And I start thinking, hmm, I wonder if it's got diamonds inside of it or if it was stolen Indiana Jones style. And and he was handing it off to me to, you know, do something with Oh, mine just went crazy. So since I had no clue the value of it or anything else, I thought I would take pictures and put it up on Reddit. 
Because, I mean, that's what you do nowadays. If you want to know something, you put it up on Reddit and everybody then begins to tell you stuff about it. And if you want to go see it, it's called Impossible Tale 9771. That's the Reddit name. It's the statue no one remembers. That's the only post that's up under it. But the pictures of it are there. Or you can look on my Facebook page, Alter Kate Perkins. I put the pictures there, too. And it's under a public post, so you'll be able to see that if you don't have a Reddit account. So anyway, the one good suggestion that I got, I got a lot of good suggestions, but one of them was said, don't sell it because that's a cool story. Some random guy comes up and hands you some statue that his uncle made specifically for you and disappears off into nowhere and nobody remembers this guy or anything else about this whole situation. So, so I've got it up there and hoping that somebody will say, hey, I was that guy or or I made the statue. I kind of don't think he, I don't know, because I don't know. I don't know how old his uncle was. But anyway, so that started me thinking about how long I had waited to actually pay attention to the fact that this guy had given me this statue. And that's a long period of time to be having something and transporting it around and holding on to it. I just assumed that I had told my daughter and I just assumed that she knew what it was. I didn't know it had a weird backstory, but it started me thinking about the passage of time and kind of halfway hoping that there's actually some buried diamonds inside of it or something. But the suggestion that I was going to follow from Reddit was to take pictures of it, better pictures than the one I have up there, take pictures of it and to uh, send it to a museum just to see if it's the long lost artifact of something or another that, that they've been looking for. Of course, I have no provable way to explain how it came into my possession or why I held on to it for 25 years and not actually did anything but anyway that's the statue and you can go see it but like I said it started me thinking about time and everything that's gone on in the past 25 years because you think at, at some point in 25 years I would have while I was moving the statue around and holding it on my desk and things that I would have said you know I need to figure out where this thing came from but I was so busy living life and doing things that I thought hmm I, I guess it just it was never in the forefront. So again, I, like I said, I started thinking about time and about transitions, transitions in time and transitions in life. There's a word, luminity, and luminity can reference either space or time. So a liminal space is a location that's a transition between two locations or states of being. If you ask someone younger or unless you still play video games, there's a, a game... And you can actually go to YouTube and, and see the video of other people playing a game or videos of the game. And it's a crowdsourced game, so it's not made by one particular company, but people are adding to it. And the game is called Backroom. And the whole premise of Backroom is liminal spaces. And liminal spaces are typically um, abandoned spaces. This game, Backroom, starts out with some kids that are, that are making a video somewhere. The cameraman is, or camera kid is backing up and he drops down, he falls down into this space, into this underground series of endless rooms. And all these rooms are, they'll remind you of the 80s if you were around then, of the flickering uh, fluorescent lights and the puke yellow walls and the carpet that looks horrible of office work. But there's, in most of these rooms, there's nothing in there. And it's just um, endless room after room after room. And then occasionally you'll get to somewhere else. And then there's hidden surprises and stuff. So anyway, liminal spaces are 
typically abandoned and they're oftentimes empty. It can be like a mall at 4 a.m. or a school hallway during summer. Um, it makes you feel it's a place that you can be in that makes you feel uncomfortable. It gives you a slight unsettling feeling because you know that the space is a transition space. It's something like during the daytime, during the, the time of the space's usefulness, it's full of people and it's serving its purpose. But liminal spaces are not serving its purpose at the time. The word liminal is derived from the Latin word lemon, L-I-M-E-N, and that means threshold. So the concept of a liminal space is physical spaces that, due to their function, are transitional in nature. So hallways, waiting rooms, parking lots, rest stops, those kinds of areas. They're, they're functional, but they're transitional. Liminal space has a, a feeling of eeriness about it. Sometimes it can be nostalgia. Sometimes you can go to your old high school and look around and think, you know, wow, it looks smaller, but you get a sense of nostalgia about it. But mostly it makes people apprehensive because the space is now outside of its its function. Say like, uh, let's take a school hallway. The kids aren't in school. It's a place that has a function, but it's not functioning the way it's supposed to. It's in between its transition, in between what it's supposed to do and where it is now. And it just kind of creeps you out. Think things like empty stairwells or hospital corridors at night. And you think it can actually look scary or uncanny or like it has some kind of paranormal something going on. But and it's because these places are usually have a whole bunch of life and movement and things. But when there's the absence of that, such as like the conversations, people moving around or uh, any kind of social dynamics, it tends to create an otherworldly atmosphere. The game that I was mentioning, Back Rooms, deal with liminal spaces and that appeal comes from their unsettling atmosphere. Liminal spaces are really, they're subjective. What can be nostalgic or scary or eerie to one person. And then there's some people that may look at it and, and have absolutely no emotion about it at all. So not only is luminity applicable to space, it's also applicable to time. Liminality means being at the threshold of a stage of a rite of passage, often causing a feeling of disorientation at a threshold between their previous way of structuring their identity, time, or community, and the new way of completing uh, their passage into whatever step they're going into next. Think of time being a, a liminal period where you're traditionally doing something, but what you traditionally do becomes uncertain. And the future outcomes once taken for granted are starting to be thrown into doubt. So this results in a change of status for a person. So a person can pass from one place to another in their life. So you're moving into a new house or to a new city, you're getting married, starting a new uh, school, starting a new university, starting a job, graduating high school, graduating university. Uh, passage of time can be New Year celebrations or birthday celebrations. The time aspect of luminality is constantly there. Everyone, everybody on this earth is constantly experiencing these things in one way or another. 
if you're particularly sensitive to it, then you constantly have this feeling of uneasiness that you can't quite put your finger on because there's nothing really going on. So you're thinking, why am I so nervous and upset? I said earlier, there's some people that it doesn't affect at all. They just go on through life and are happily oblivious to anything that that even reeks of a transition. For groups, you have the passage into adulthood from a cohort group. So like a graduation ceremony or every group of friends turning 21 real close to each other. Um, I was watching Only Murders in the Building and I've watched it all through season one and all through season two and of the group on Facebook. I absolutely love this, this show on Hulu. I loved talking to everybody and coming up with all these wild theories about why so-and-so did this and why so-and-so did that. And uh, don't worry, it's not going to be any spoilers. And the season two ended like last week, I think it was. There's this sense that I noticed in the comments between people. It's like, oh, what are we going to do now? Because we had formed such a tight and actually polite. It was one of the few groups that I've ever belonged to that everybody was polite I mean, there are people that disagree, but it wasn't, you know, it didn't devolve into the thing that most social media does. And it was really just a fun group to be in. And But now everybody has that sense of loss. It's like, okay, well, season three doesn't happen until, you know, another year. So what are we going to do in between then? So there's a whole group thing that happens that can happen also. When you get to that moment of liminality, society would be something like a sudden event, like a sudden invasion, a natural disaster. The pandemic was a a classic example of the society as a whole suddenly facing a liminal event because nothing, you're in a state of transition. You couldn't do anything that you did before and you don't know where it's going to go. When is it going to end? So there was an extreme psychological aspect to the whole thing too and for a society as a whole a time period of liminality or that uneasiness of transition would be things like wars then there's what's called epic or lifespan durations like for individuals it would be um uh, let's see, it would be like monks people that make uh, uh, individuals that would make a decision to devote their life to doing something different than what the norm is. So the norm for that society is um, they decide to purposely by choice live outside of the society like on a in the backwoods or off the grid. So I mean it's people that purposely do things like that that purposely go into the liminal space I'm not attaching a value to any of this, but there's so many, so many things that I'm trying to at least just skim the edge of it. Understand that there's these different degrees of liminality. And when you think about it, and like I said, this is what actually brought me to this whole long thought about liminality was that back 25 years ago, I was still working. You define yourself by where you're at in life. So I was working, I was earning a living, I was um, very active, I had a a job that um, was in aviation, I was not a pilot, I I worked for the government, so I I had activities, I had things I had to do, I traveled, and I was responsible for a lot of things, so that life then... I kind of accepted because it was like, okay, some guy has handed me the statue. So, okay. And I kind of accepted it and thought, well, you know, later I'll figure it out. 
later just never actually came around until 25 years later. There's a whole change that takes place in people and they start having these feelings about things and certain subjects then become unpleasant to say the least. So if you understand that these things have happened to you since birth and will continue to happen all the way up until when you die, if you can identify What's giving you the feelings, feelings good or bad, associated with the change and aging, and it might help you mitigate things as you age. Especially if you can't change something, then you need to try to understand it. You can't change what you cannot see or understand. So this is why people feel uncomfortable about talking about getting older, because they realize that it's a space in between what they think was their useful period of raising children and working at a job or not working at a job, being, you know, just devoting your time to raising children. Or or even if you don't have children, um, building a life in some way or another. So that's why people feel uncomfortable about getting older and about talking about being older. Because it's a space of transition and they don't know, they know where they've been. They just don't know what, what's going to happen in the future. And of course, no one knows except for all those people who say they do. But other than that, nobody knows. Nobody knows what kind of senior they're going to be. And you've heard me say it before. Nobody knows whether they're going to be healthy and die at 185 or incapacitated and ill at 50. They just don't know. So that's the sense of liminality and aging. That's the sense of why you feel so uncomfortable about getting older. And the thing that happens with individuals when they get into this area, they do tend to form communities that kind of develop on their own. At some point, someone realized this and it was like, hey, let's try to make their community a little bit better their life a little bit better by moving into a community with other people that are in the same liminal area. And oddly enough, in trying to help in that area, it actually presents other problems. So I don't think it's something that's going to be resolved. That's what you're waiting on. It's not going to be resolved. Liminality is something that's that's there. It's not something that can be taken away. It's something that you're going to have to deal with. In coming in together in a group, if you're all in the same transitional period, as in, say, getting older, um, the age of getting old kind of fluctuates depending on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. But that's why generally there's a, a 50, 55 year old age where you start looking at doing things that bring you into the community of aging, kind of get you okay and moving through that transitional period. And there's a certain camaraderie that um, comes along with the group that's experiencing the same experiences and going into these communities. I, when I moved in here, and again, this is a independent living community, my very first night that I was in here, and, and mind you, I made the decision to come here. I wasn't being forced or anything. I was recovering from an open heart surgery, but I said, okay, well, I need to be somewhere around other older people if something happens. So I thought this is, this is okay. I'll, I'll come in, I'll do this. Imagine it like a um, apartment complex or a neighborhood that has individual houses in it. It's like that, but it's just a gated community with people that have to be 55 or older in this one. And when I came in though, I was under the impression, I thought, okay, I'll come in, I'll get better, I'll be around other people, because I was still, no, I had just left work, because I was trying to recover, and I said, I, I'm going to have to be off for a couple of years, but 
I'm going to go back to work and I'm going to do, you know, this, that, and the other and um, travel and et cetera, et cetera, even though I had traveled and seen everything I wanted to see when I was younger. Turns out it wasn't that way. There were a lot older people here. And the very first night that I was here and I was uh, laying in bed and they have a fire alarm, not just the smoke detectors, but they have these things on the wall that actually say fire like you see in a hospital and a really bright light that flashes uh, like a strobe effect and a really loud alarm. I was looking at it and the sprinklers in the ceiling and I just started crying because it just, I was like, oh my God, what did I do? I've moved into a nursing home, but it's not a nursing home. But at the time, that's what happens. You just, you're going through this transition and you just don't know. And you're hoping that you're making the best possible decision. So there's a lot of uneasiness, insecurity. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of things that you need to actually educate yourself on hopefully before you get to the point they don't tell you that they just kind of let you get old and, and there you are you're on your own and that's why i actually started jd perkins senior resource network so that there would be a, a place that everybody could find out information and not have to have to try to figure out well okay here's the problem where do i address it and then have to call 25 different places trying to address the one problem not understanding that everybody has a piece of of a part of that problem they address, but not the whole thing. I try to give you the whole information. I, I tried to give you that in um, the book that I wrote, Aging with Grace, and by author Kate Perkins. There's other books called Aging with Grace, but I tried to give you all of the information at one time. Coming up to me being here, I've been here for 10 years. The pandemic was very hard. We lost, we normally lose a lot of people as it was. Prior to the pandemic, uh, there was a general clubhouse. We would have all kinds of gatherings, things like that. People would come in and uh, sit down, play cards together, laugh, talk. We'd have events, luau's, and people coming in playing the bagpipes and all this kind of stuff. And, And don't think of it like I said, nursing home. This is like somebody coming into a clubhouse, having a good time, and then leaving, and everybody went to their homes. Uh, We'd have happy hours, all kinds of stuff. During the pandemic, right before the pandemic, things started changing. That's the only way I could put it. Things started changing. And then the pandemic hit. We lost a lot of seniors. Like I said, on a good day, we lose people anyway. But a lot of seniors didn't make it through the pandemic. While it's still not over, the quarantine and some of the other things have lifted. It's it's almost like that scene in A Wizard of Oz after they come out after the tornado and everything and everybody's coming out from under stuff. Things will never go back to being what they were. There's a sense of loss and it, it was hard enough having that uneasiness about transitioning into here in the first place. And now those of us that have been here for a little while, we're having to transition again because the actual place itself, while we haven't moved, the place has changed. So you were dealing with the deaths of people that were friends. We're dealing with the deaths of people that were that were the people that would come out to the events that would help take care of those that, that couldn't go out. The change has made a sense of uneasiness about the transition now. And, and I see this. I see this in in the other residents. I see this when I'm uh, out and I go to places because like I said, I've had some medical issues and I go sit in a waiting room and I see more, since the pandemic, I see more adult children 
with their older parents, um, actually talking to them and showing them things on phones and watching videos while they're waiting and laughing and talking and the seniors being very tolerant with that look like I can't wait till I can get back home. So it's, um, it's an interesting dynamic and there's an interesting change that's happened since everything that the world has gone through over the last couple of years. I've been keenly aware of aging alone. So there's a, one of the projects that we're trying to work on for this year is for the seniors is to get, and I know it sounds creepy, but they're actually kind of cool, the uh, robotic companion pets that actually have the fur and stuff, not like the ones that look like robots, but the ones that um, actually purr and vibrate. So we're trying to get at least 200 of those to give out this year for Christmas and uh, some other projects. But the whole point of it, and it all ties together with knowing that if you can get yourself together enough early enough, you know that aging is inevitable. You may not like it, but you know it's going to have to happen. So if you prepare yourself, you can really take away some of the scariness and the uneasiness that happens with transitions And it's not something that you have to be scared of. You might as well try to do everything you can to enjoy it. So that's when the whole thing meant. The statue no one remembers. I could have looked at it in a different way. I could have thought, oh my gosh, my memory's gone. But no, I remember pretty much the way it happened. And I don't feel so bad because if I can't remember this kid that gave it to me, my daughter doesn't remember the kid that gave it to me, then I got to feel that it's not just, you know, my brain going so If you hung in there to the end, I want to thank you. I've also got a couple episodes of the murder mystery game that I have to go through and edit and stitch some things together so we can at least start that because that's been, what, almost a year since we tried to do that. And um, I really hope to get some of these things out here. If you can, uh, go to our website. Find me on uh, Facebook, Author Kate Perkins. And I will also put uh, links to our website. If you go to the website, you will find links to everything where my books are. you find links to uh, where you can donate. And again, 90% of the donations will go to helping the seniors this year. And next year, the donations are good. It'll have links to the sites where we have eBay and Bonanza sales. And thank you again. Don't forget to subscribe. Tell all your friends. And we'll see you next time.